Well, church, if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to get them open to the Gospel of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in chapter 13. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to have you join us for worship this morning. We've been in the middle of a series called Jesus Messiah, and all we're doing in this series is walking through the book of Matthew and studying it together. Uh, Matthew writes with a sole purpose that you might know Jesus that you might know him as Messiah, the fulfillment of all of God's promises, the one who has come to rescue your heart, to restore your life back into right relationship with God. And he has come that you might trust him and treasure him above all, and that you might live your life uh, by faith in him who loves you and who gave himself for you, and that you might truly live uh, surrendered to him uh, now and forever. We're here in chapter 13, and we are toward the end of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, historically. Uh, Jesus lived in what is now the nation of Israel, and he spent much of his ministry in the region of Galilee. And from chapter 4 of Matthew up until this point, uh, Jesus has been ministering in the region of Galilee. Uh, Large lake there, a lot of villages spread out all around that lake, and Jesus is going, and we've been studying over the last many weeks since we have been uh, camped out in Matthew, how Jesus is bringing his redemption and his restoration to people's lives just like you and just like me, reaching out and touching and inviting people to be restored in relationship with God and to receive forgiveness of their sins and true new life and a restoration of all that is broken. And... uh, Today, we're going to be in chapter 13, looking at the end of Jesus' time in the region of Galilee. In fact, by the end of this chapter, what we read historically is that Jesus is going to be making his way out of this region. And today, I want to go ahead and read our text together. The title of today's message is Purposeful Parables, all right? Purposeful Parables the kingdom of the Messiah. And as always, I would encourage you to take notes if you have the opportunity to do so, so that you can not just be one who sits and listens to me teach, but rather seeks to really understand the word of God that he has given to us, and then later really seeks to apply it in your life, to live in light of it. And then I hope to be able to pass it on to someone else. I read from the English Standard Version, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. God's Word says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered to him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, 
and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, then the disciples came and they said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, And with their ears, they can barely hear, and with their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. And they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, This is the one who who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word, and he understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and he sowed weeds among the wheat, and then he went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house Come, and they said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, 
An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up. In gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let us both, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it all was leavened. All of these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Well, then he left the crowds and he went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown out into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore, and they sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, 
Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his own hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is God's word. Y'all ready to dive in? Um, essentially, what is happening here is Jesus is closing out his time in Galilee by teaching his disciples and the crowds who have gathered to him. And there's been some confusion. We heard it last week as we looked at Matthew 11. Y'all remember as John the Baptist is in prison, um, he's in a time where he's looking around. <laughs> it's, it's like a picture of having a Bible in one hand and your newspaper in the other hand, and you're looking at the Bible and you're looking back at the newspaper and you're like, God, have you gotten this right? <laughs> Y'all ever been in that place where you're looking at the, the circumstances around you and you're going, seriously, is this, is this your plan? Like, is this how you are working? Sometimes it doesn't feel like those two square. Y'all been there, right? You know what I'm talking about? And the disciples, um, in a similar way, have been with Jesus throughout his ministry in Galilee and they're sitting around kind of wondering, good gracious, um, as Jesus, we began to look at this last week, is that he's beginning to get some serious opposition, people resisting his message, opposing him, even coming after him. And, and the disciples in many ways are perplexed by what they're seeing. If Jesus is the Messiah, if the, the message that he's proclaiming is a good message. The opportunity for you to be restored in relationship with God, for the kingdom of God to come once again into your heart and life, for his rule and reign to come once again. If he is truly the Messiah, the one you're made for, and his message is truly a good message, the opportunity to repent, to put your faith in him and to be restored in relationship with God, then why in the world is he facing so much opposition? Why in the world, as you hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand, are things the way they are? Y'all ever wonder the same question? And what Jesus is doing is, in the course of this chapter, having the opportunity to sit with his disciples and to really teach them some important principles of the way that God right now is sovereignly at work in our world. And I'm telling you today, the principles that Jesus is teaching, you need to understand. We all need to lean in and to really understand what Jesus is teaching us because if you are going to be a sincere follower of Jesus, you've got to know 
and believe and rest in the way that God is at work bringing his kingdom into this world. So this morning, that's what we're going to look at as we study the text together. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, I hope all of us are, right? We love to study the Bible here at ICC, yes? So one of the things that you'll notice about this chapter, I'll put up an organizational outline. This is not the outline of my teaching today. This is just an outline of the structure of this passage. But what you notice is that there's kind of an opening and closing narrative to this chapter. It opens in verses 1 to 3, talking about how Jesus is there teaching on a lake. There's so many people. He pushes out in a boat so he can get more opportunity to speak to those who gather to hear. And then by the end, of course, um, we know that he's, there's some narrative there about how he's moving on from Galilee. But here in the middle, you have this whole chapter that is filled with these parables. It's really centered around two sets of three parables each. Okay? So if you can understand the structure of the passage, there's from verses 24 to 33, there's one set, and then from verses 44 to 50, there's another set. Okay? Now, after both of those sets, he does some explanation about why he's teaching, and he explains one of those particular parables for, uh, for us in detail. At the beginning of the passage, um, there is this kind of overarching, really foundational parable about the sowing of the seeds. And he uses that to help us understand why he's teaching in parables to start with, okay? So that's kind of the basic narrative of the text. I don't want you to get you all lost in the weeds as we go through it, okay? Now what I want to do is to start by looking where Jesus started in, here in Matthew 13. Because it says there in verse 3, says, and he told them many things in parables, okay? And he begins to explain this first parable, which we're going to come back to in just a second. But as soon as he finishes explaining this uh, about the uh, parable of the, the sower and the seed, we begin to see um, in, in verse 10, y'all look at it in your Bibles, the disciples came and they said to him, um, why do you speak to us in parables? <laughs> Does anybody here ever have that question? It's like, um, can we just have it more plain, Jesus, right? Um, this is engaging parts of our minds and parts of our hearts that we haven't used in a while. And we're just wondering if you could bring it down to the bottom shelf <laughs> for easier consumption. Um, that's, that's the basic gist of what they come to Jesus with. And some of us might have that same question with sincerity. Why is it that Jesus is teaching like this? Well, Jesus explains, okay? And I, I want to just start by helping you understand what parable means, okay? Parable means to cast alongside, okay? So when we're talking about parables... What we're talking about here is the opportunity for something to come alongside of a basic teaching to help support it, to help convey its meaning in a different or more distinct way. Really what we're talking about when we talk about parables and the way that Jesus is using them is he's using these things, they don't necessarily carry an obvious meaning right on the surface, and therefore, because of that, they demand a perception 
And really what he's teaching is it, it demands an enlightenment, a spiritual revelation from God in the hearer for them to be able to understand it. So Jesus is, is, has got some things in his heart that he's wanting to share, but he's casting alongside these stories, and these stories require that people really lean into God to understand their true meaning. But he's casting alongside these stories to, to basically teach the heart of what needs to be taught to his disciples. Now, what we know is um, there's a theme of kind of a categories of people that goes throughout this chapter. We could call it division, okay? Um, you see it in the parable of the soils. You've got productive and unproductive soil. You see it in the parable about the field. You've got um, good grain, and you've got weeds, you see it in the parable of the nets at the end. You've got good fish and you've got bad fish. So over and over throughout this chapter, in Jesus' stories, he's looking out at the crowds, okay? We don't need to just consider this as ideas. He's looking at people just like I'm looking at you. And he's looking out at the crowds, and as he's telling stories, he's basically helping his disciples to see that there are two kinds of people here. Yeah, everybody's hearing with their ears, but not everybody's hearing with their hearts. There are two kinds of people in this crowd. And he's creating a distinction for his disciples to understand between these two types of people. Now, what is the main distinction? The main distinction is those who hear and understand. That's group one. And then the second group is those who hear and do not understand. <laughs> and he says, as Jesus is asked that question of his disciples in verse 13, excuse me, verse 11, he answers to them this very thing. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. What we're talking about is mysteries. It's not like God is, is trying to play games with us, but there are things that can only be understood by those who long to hear from God and are willing to obey what God says. And he's also describing for these disciples, there are promises and prophecies that have been not fully understood in terms of how they would be fulfilled that here in the day of the disciples hearing, they can understand. But for those who long to hear, he's saying, do you know how wonderful it is that to you, you have the opportunity to hear and understand, verse 11? And then he says in verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. And then he describes in the prophet Isaiah how this was promised. That people, and look at verse 15 here. It says, for this people's heart has grown dull. There's a problem, Jesus is saying. As I look into the crowds, Isaiah prophesied that this day was coming that, that people were hearing. In fact, with their own eyes, seeing the Messiah and their own experience around the demonstration of who he is and what he can do, the authority that he has and the accountability that will come in the end. They hear, they see, and yet their hearts have grown dull. 
and because their hearts have grown so dull, though they hear with their ears and they see with their eyes in a spiritual sense, they have no clue. But hear the heart of God. Oh, that they would, at the end of verse 15, they could turn and I would heal them. But again, he's speaking in parables. Because of this reality, amidst any crowd, the crowd that Jesus was talking to, the crowd that I'm talking to today, there is this reality. And God longs to awaken people's hearts so that they can truly understand. He longs for that. But it's not the case that everyone does. And therefore, the very use of parables brings out this very distinction among the people. You understand? You're kind of getting it? I shouldn't have said, do you understand? <laughs> That's kind of cruel right after I'm talking about all this stuff of spiritual understanding. So, that's what's going on here. He's casting alongside. Now, the foundational parable to this whole chapter, okay, it's not just one among others. Like I said, I want you to be a student of the Bible. We study Scripture here. The parable about the soils is the foundation for the rest. Because in the parable of the soils, what he's doing is helping you understand the whole point of why he's speaking like this. So let's go to that parable and look at it, because it helps us understand the very essence and utility of parables. So he says there in verse 3, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no, not no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and it choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears. Now, what is he talking about? Physical ears? No. He who longs to turn back to God and experience healing of heart. He who has ears, let him hear. Then he goes into his discourse about the parables because this whole parable is the very reason why he's explaining he's teaching in parables. And then in verse 18, he comes back to it and he explains, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, I want to walk through these soils real quick as we go through Jesus' explanation. I'll go ahead and put up a list of all the soils so that you can kind of understand what's going on. So essentially, Jesus is teaching that there's four different kinds of soils that the sower is going out and he's sowing. So what he's saying is, God is working in the world. There is seed. The seed represents his word, the proclamation of the kingdom of God that is being sown out into the heart of those who are hearing with their physical ears. Now, as it gets to each one of you, there are different possibilities of what's happening in the true inner place of your soul. Soil one is basically a hard soil. He says that there are some seeds that go out. 
and they fall besides a path. You can imagine a well-trampled path. I was in Israel recently, and almost all their paths to the fields are like this. Any farm that you go to, probably the same today, and it's well-trampled, and when it happens, the soil gets very hard. And because of the hardness of the soil, there's not even opportunity for that seed to take root. Now what Jesus is explaining is, in verse 19, when anybody hears the word of the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one is coming and snatching away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown on the first path. So there are people that hear with their physical ears, and yet they lack understanding. There's an inability to move beyond the surface, and what Jesus is saying is he attributes this to the work of the evil one. There's a soil too. Soil too is a soil of initial growth. He describes uh, this soil. It's in contrast uh, to the first one. You can imagine soil where there's like bedrock that's kind of close to the surface of the soil. And the difference is that this seed is, it finds its way into the soil, and initially, it looks like, hey, we've got some growth. This is pretty exciting. But what happens is, within a quick amount of time, there's an inability for this growth to continue, for this growth to be sustained, because as the sun comes out and the heat beats down, because the seed is only in shallow soil, it's quickly parched. Its growth doesn't last. Now, as for the second seed, what I put here in parentheses is this represents people who receive the word with enthusiasm, but they do that based on something happening, external stimulus, rather than an internal conviction. Because what Jesus says, he says in verse 20, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when the tribulation or the persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately he falls away. He's saying there are some of you in the crowd that will initially, oh, you're going to be so excited and you're going to be enthusiastic and you'll receive the word with joy. But you're going to lack roots. Enthusiasm. But the enthusiasm is based on external stimulus, not on an inner conviction, not on true godly sorrow and repentance. So much so that when the external stimulus has gone away, there's really... Nothing any longer there. I love that he gives the picture of a scorching sun. Following Jesus is not always fun. Did y'all know that? It's always joy-filled, but it's not always fun. <laughs> um, there's no guarantee against suffering. And what Jesus is saying is there are some rootless people that as soon as it comes time to count the cost, as soon as something uncomfortable comes along, as soon as Jesus is not answering in the way that you expect, you simply fall away. 
Because your following of Jesus was never really about following Jesus. It was always really about something going on externally that you wanted the opportunity to pursue. Third, Jesus is saying, it's a third kind of heart. And it's a seed that falls into the ground. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Interesting. For this seed, the danger doesn't come from inadequate resources in the soil. The soil has adequate resources. The danger for this one comes from competition. There's so much growth of the thorns in the soil that it literally, there's no room for any new kind of vegetation. The thorns are choking the life out of the soil, and therefore the true seed, the seed of God's word, cannot even take root. These plants don't necessarily die. They just are not going to be fruitful. What Jesus says himself in verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus over and over talks about how careful we've got to be about things of this world. Pride and riches, lust of the eyes, sort of flesh. Um, over and over, he encounters people. I think we got a scenario that we'll get to in just a few chapters where he, the rich young man, and he has so much that he literally turns away sad because he is unwilling to give all that he has up. This is the thorny heart. There's so much going on in the world in this man's heart that there literally is no opportunity for the true seed, the true opportunity for right relationship with God to even take root. And he walks away sad because the thorns have choked out any opportunity for life. Jesus says we got to be careful. we got to be careful because it is possible for some of us, as the word goes out, that there's no opportunity for the word to actually take root and, and bear fruitfulness that leads to life because we're so entangled with the things of this world. We've got to be careful. Choked out by competing desires of the world. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't understand this. We all face serious idols of heart and life. All of us have the tendency to put something above God and his word in our lives. And we've got to be careful because what Jesus helps us to see is these things, if they're not dealt with, if you just, like right now in my backyard, it is a hot mess. And I don't even have a big backyard. Um, that's why I don't have one because I'm not very good at yarding. Is that what the thing? Yarding? Gardening? <laughs> yarding. I'm not good at it. But I did something really lazy this past uh, summer, which is that I didn't want to go. Uh, there's like these crazy bamboo shoots that, God bless my neighbor. I truly love my neighbors. But they planted bamboo in their yard. And if you know anything about bamboo, it just invaded my yard. 
and it is just running all under my little flower bed, okay? Oh, I went to go yank one of those bamboo shoots out. Y'all ever try to yank a bamboo shoot out? That thing was hard as a joker to get out. I yanked and yanked. I started to sweat, and I hate sweating. And I thought, this ain't worth it. <laughs> this is it's not going to do. So what I thought was, if I plant my little pansies in between the bamboo shoots, nobody's going to notice, right? Those little bamboo shoots could just stay under that ground, and they'll be just fine. And we'll just come on top of it and pretend like it's all good. How long do you think that lasted? Not very long. Not very long. Because the bamboo shoots were taking up all kinds of, I mean, it was just sucking the nutrients out of my soil. And then secondly, they started to come up. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about this. But they just kept coming up. And it was like whack-a-mole, you know? It was like every time they come up, I just try to clip it off. I didn't pull it up. I just clipped it off. But eventually, my bed, even today, it looks like a hot mess. You can't even see any beauty in it because I didn't do the most important work, which is at first cleaning out the soil before what was new is planted. And I think some of us have that problem as it relates to receiving from Jesus, don't we? We look at the idols and we go, that thing's been there a long time. That's going to be, that's going to be hard to pull up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So let's just try to plant on top of it. And for a little while, you might find that that looks like it's going to work, but in the end, you're going to look like my flower bed out back. It's going to be a hot mess. you got to make sure that your soil is truly ready to receive the word from Jesus. you got to be careful about competing desires in your heart. Your heart cannot have two masters. you got to choose who you're going to follow. Be careful. The fourth soil is the good soil. Those who hear, receive, and those who, upon receiving, it, it not only takes root, but it grows and it bears fruit. Other seeds, verse 8, fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he goes and says, verse 23, as for what is sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and he understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. But the point of this is not how much. It's just that this seed has taken root and it is bearing fruit in a person's life. He who has ears, let him hear. Did you know, Jesus is saying to his disciples, that as I look out on any crowd, and did you know even this morning as I look out to you, that even though all of us are hearing with our ears, that not all of us are hearing with our hearts. That all of us are seeing words on the Bible page or on the screen. That not all of us are seeing the beauty and the worth and the truth of what Jesus is actually saying. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the whole point. is for us to understand that as Jesus is operating the world... You want to understand Matthew 11 and 12? Why is it so chaotic? Why are some people receiving with joy and others going, what? Get out of here. Same thing, same message, same demonstration of what God is able to do. Receive totally differently. Friends, understand that there is a deeper battle being waged. It's a battle in the heart. And Jesus is desiring to speak to the heart and to take control of the heart. And not all seeds that go forth 
will actually be planted in the heart and bear fruit that leads to life. You understand? If, he didn't give proportions here, but if these were proportions, what you'd see is only 25%. If these were even proportions, only 25% of the seed that's going out is bearing fruit. This helps us as his disciples. Number one, be really, really attentive when we open the Bible, not just to be satisfied that we checked off the box and we looked with our eyes on a page at the words on the Bible. Or we listen to the podcast going down the road or here on Sunday mornings. You're, you're sitting here and you're, you're listening to me preach. we got to be really careful that that's not all that we're doing because it's not enough, friends. We need to hear with our hearts. And only God, only God can cause you to have a revelation in your heart. Are you desperate? God Open my eyes that I might see. Open my ears that I might hear. Open my heart that I might believe. Open my life that I might follow. Oh, God, would you help me not to hear without hearing, not to see without seeing? Would you help me to receive in a way that bears fruit that leads to life? Right? Are you all tracking? Now, now that he's taught the foundational principle, he goes on to teach the rest. The rest is all based on, he's, try, he's trying to un- help the disciples understand these principles, but you have to first understand that the battle is in the heart. Now, in closing this morning, what I want to do uh, is just put up the full list, Casey, if you don't mind, the full list of the principles that are outlined in the rest of this chapter. It's going to take you a few minutes to write them through, and I want to talk them through. And then this week in your small groups and in your devotions and your private personal time with God, I pray that you will meditate on his word and really seek to hear what God is speaking. In the rest of these parables, we see these principles. Number one, spectacular growth will come from insignificant beginnings. Number two, God's purpose will reach its triumphant fulfillment. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Number three, at the coming judgment, it will be plain. Who are those that are truly of God? Number four. Those who want to see the full outworking of God's kingship must be prepared to wait. And number five, when we truly understand the person and the offer of Jesus, we will be enthusiastically and wholeheartedly committed to him. I know that you're writing, but I want to just briefly touch on some of these things, and then we will close together because I really have a serious question for you to consider. As Jesus unpacks in the rest of this chapter some of these parables, some of these parables you're like, well, that's cute. You know, that's a cute little story. Um, 
And you can imagine in the crowd that Jesus is teaching to, he's, he's teaching some of these things and, and he's going through them one by one and they're like, huh? <laughs> but he over and over says, he who has ears, let him hear. There's a purpose behind all of them. And the purpose is for us to understand the ways in which God is presently working in our world. Here's some of those ways. Number one, spectacular growth will come from insignificant beginnings. What these, these parables here of the mustard seed and the leaven, how interesting. You know, the disciples are sitting around and they're going, oh my word, this is hard stuff. We Bible in one hand, newspaper in the other hand, and you're going, how in the world is this ever going to take root? Soils seem pretty hard. 25% is not a high percentage. I mean, what is going to happen? And what Jesus says to him, he says to us, says to them, hey, look, don't you understand what I've planted here? Even though it begins small, and this is true in your, your heart and life today, friends, even though it begins small, just like a mustard seed, soon that little of tiniest of seeds will begin to overtake the garden. <laughs> the rule and the reign of Jesus, when it really takes root in the heart, it will grow. And you will see its results. Trust God that God can work in your heart, in your life, in our church, in our city, in our world. Right now, it might seem, as I look around the downtown landscape, I'm like, good gracious, if you look at total number of Christians gathering on a Sunday morning, we are a fraction of the residential population of downtown. I've been down here 11 years. And you might go, good gracious, look at all that's left to do. Is this ever going to take root? And I go, did you see where we were 11 years ago? We were 20 people meeting around school desk in the Montessori school. Do you see? I'm looking at a mustard seed turned into a tree here. <laughs> and I got a vision that God's not finished yet. I'm seeing that this tree that God's already planted will continue to grow because that is God's promise. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The gospel will continue to change lives. The kingdom of God will continue to grow. The church will prevail and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Like a little bit of bread brought into some old leaven. As soon as it makes contact, like this parable, he says, it begins to grow, grow enough to the point that that little bitty piece of flour hitting that leaven is going to have the opportunity to yield a supply that will feed the whole village. Friends, trust God. He is a God that once he begins something, he completes something. The work begun in you will be completed at the day of Christ Jesus. That is his promise, Philippians 1. Amen? Number two, God's purpose will reach its triumphant fulfillment. This is similar. I don't have to necessarily reteach this. But in the end, what you see is he's saying to his disciples, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. And this is why it's connected, number four. Those who want to see the full outworking of God's kingship must be prepared to wait. Hold on to hope. God is not finished yet. But in each of these parables, what you see is there is coming a day. You know, the servants in one of his parables come to the master and they go, Hey, did you notice there's weeds out there? 
In other words, the disciples, this is what he's saying, the disciples have come to Jesus and they're going, did you read the newspaper? Another one bit the dust. The church is being attacked. Persecution is coming. People who we thought were somebody turned out to be nobody. Did you notice there's weeds in the flower bed, Jesus? Yes, I did. And I don't want you to go and go picking those out right now because in the end, I am going to take care of things, guys. <laughs> in the end, just like with the net, when the net is full in God's time, when it's drawn in, he will take care of things. Our God is a God whose purpose will reach its triumphant fulfillment. Isn't that good? And at the coming judgment, we see this with the thing about the weeds put into the field. Oh, yes, these, this was a thing. In Roman law, it actually just talks about there's laws against this kind of revenge uh, because this was a thing. People, enemies would go sow stuff in the field. Darnell was the root, uh, was the seed, and it starts to grow, and it looks just like wheat, and it's a poisonous seed. And if you're not careful, see what happens is it begins to grow up, and at a certain point, you begin to realize, oh, my goodness, I got wheat and Darnell here, and it is a big deal. But what Jesus says is, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. See, right now, it's easy. There's so many of us can identify as Christians. It's not hard to claim that you're a Christian. But just like my mama used to say, just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. <laughs> just because you're in a church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean in your heart you truly love Jesus and are surrendered to him. There's coming a day. You might look like Christians right now, but in the end, you will not escape accountability before God himself. He knows your heart. He knows you. You're not going to escape. In the end, just like with the wheat and the, and the bad seed, just like with the good fish and the bad fish, in the end, there will be a sorting, and it will be discovered who is truly his in the heart. But for now, disciples, he tells these parables here about the treasure and the pearl. Why? Why does he tell these parables he tells these parables because he wants you to know that if you truly understand Jesus, if you really know him, and you know this, the message of his kingdom is true, then you will enthusiastically and wholeheartedly continue to follow him and to hope in him because he is wonderful. Just like the guy who finds a treasure in the field, and he goes, oh my word, he goes, I'm going to do everything I can to buy that field because he knows that the treasure is there. And he's coming back into town and selling off everything that he has. And people are going, oh, I'm so sorry, because usually that's when people are bankrupt. You've got to sell everything you've got. Facebook Marketplace, you know, you're selling stuff. And the guy's put everything, everything in his life up on Facebook Marketplace. Not really, but you know. And people are going, oh, no. And he's going, you don't understand. I'm giving it all up because I have found something far greater than anything I've ever known. I have found Jesus. Same with the pearl. People are going, what? You're selling your whole house to buy a necklace, you fool. And he goes, you don't understand. This necklace is so beautiful, so satisfying, so far better than anything I've ever known. It is worth my all that I might have it. And Jesus is saying, those who really know me are just like these people. 
when they see me, they go, you are worth my all. And they're not even thinking about what they have to sacrifice. They're only looking to what they have to gain. And they're saying, thank you, Jesus. Come and take root in my heart and my life. May I experience the fruitfulness of life lived with you. Do you see? Do you see? As we close this morning, I invite us uh, to just consider and respond. I long, I long for you to really have a heart that is open to Jesus. I long for that, for me. Jesus is teaching us these principles of his kingdom. The most important question is probably the question that he asked at the very end of the chapter when Jesus turns to his disciples and what does he say to them? Do you, do you understand these things? Do you understand these things? And he's asking you today, and I'm asking you, do you? Do you understand these things? There are so many of us that on a regular basis, whether it's here in our church, whether it's things you learned as a child, whether it's the word that you read on a daily basis or podcasts that you listen to or devotions or people that you follow, we are, in our culture, oversaturated perhaps with exposure to the truth of God. But I'm telling you in the end, what's going to matter is not whether you've heard that truth or read that truth with your ears or seen it with your eyes, but what's going to matter is have you responded to it. It's not enough just to to know it, but have you responded to it? There are so many of us who miss the opportunity to experience real life with Jesus, real joy, because we're not responding. And I'm just praying today, oh God, would you open our hearts? I'm asking, would you pray? Oh God, would you open my heart even more so that I might respond to who you are with joy that I might consider everything worth leaving behind for the joy of responding to you and receiving from you treasure, life, fruitfulness forevermore. So today, from your heart, respond. Do you understand these things? Do you? For those of you who are also working in evangelism and discipleship and ministry settings, and I pray all of us are. I also just want you to hear that word of encouragement from Jesus. What begins small, he will grow. In the end, he will be triumphant and victorious. In the end, he will sort it out. Persist, endure in faith and hope continue enthusiastically and wholeheartedly to follow him. He is wonderful in every way. Father, I pray today that the word that you have spoken would really be spoken into the depths of our hearts. Oh God, would you please, 
Would you please work for the glory of your name? Speak, Lord. We're listening. Help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, in closing this morning, I wanted to, I've got Buddy, and you, right? Okay, I want to make sure, Buddy, now. So I had them teed up for something kind of funny. Are y'all ready? Because I wanted you to leave with this thought. Caitlin, you can stay here. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, wanted you to, I wanted you to leave with this, with this in, your, in your mind and in your heart, okay? We talked about the work of the enemy in the world, okay? The disciples came very confused, and they were frustrated because they got a Bible in one hand and newspaper in the other. And often, as we read the newspaper, what we hear is something that sounds like this. Not the most pleasant sound, <laughs> unless you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> which based on this illustration today, I hope you're not, because that <laughs> represents evil and the work of Satan, <laughs> okay? But we know that as we read the newspaper, often in our lives, we hear this kind of thing, and we see the weeds growing up, and we come and we go, seriously, God? Are you going to let that grow too? Like, what? But you have to remember that God hasn't left the world in sin. Jesus has come, and he has begun a work. As people have repented and believed, he has begun a work. The mustard seed was planted, and it is growing. And Jesus' message sounds kind of like this. It's quite beautiful, isn't it? Now, the problem is, in our experience, Bible in one hand, newspaper in the other, this is what we hear. And some days, it's not the easiest to hear. And we wonder, where is God in the midst of it all? But the very purpose of these parables is to remind you that God's kingdom will by, be triumphant and it will prevail. And there's coming a day when the only note that we hear now and forevermore, from that day and forevermore, will be this. He will be triumphant. Put your heart and your hope in the day of Jesus. And remember that right now, even though we're hearing them both, Jesus will prevail. Trust in him. Enthusiastically, wholeheartedly follow him. He's worthy, the greatest treasure. Y'all have a great one. We love you. We'll see you soon.